So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to the Running Rugby Podcast and episode 59, here we are. Uh, I am Archie as always, hosting you in and bringing Toby and Leo here with me today at, to review that first round of the Rugby Championship and interesting selections we saw in this Wallabies team, a bit different to what me and you discussed, Leo, uh, but a few good signings, a few bad signs, but in the end, disappointment came for the Wallabies in this one couldn't convert their chances, and the Springboks get away with one, and a bonus point win, 35-17 in Johannesburg. Yeah, it started off very competitive. The Wallabies were, were moving forward. Uh, the Springboks were, were really quick up in defence, but we, we looked like we were uh, finding ways around that and, and forcing them to miss some tackles, making some line breaks, uh, just lacking polish. A really, really good try first up. Um, this just... Just the simple numbers, spread the ball, um, outflank them, and and to to then follow that up with another really good opportunity, and just so disappointing to see Haylett Petty uh, fumble that ball over the line. That's that's where the best teams do not make mistakes, and that would have given us a real leg up in the first half. Yeah, I agree, Leo. And we we were talking about this for a number of years now in terms of execution. It's just not there, and we're used to seeing that maybe early on in the season with the Wallabies. Um, but having said that, I think in the first half, I was still pretty confident that we would have the ascendancy and be able to win the game. Yeah, South, South Africa really picked it up in the second half and took all their opportunities like the All Blacks tend to do against us as well. So it's a, it's a bit disappointing, but I think there is some promise there. and I, I don't think we should drop our bundle too much about this one. Well, we'll start off in the set piece and obviously scrums still an issue for us, still struggling to get clean ball on our own and to avoid penalties when we don't have the feed. Uh, so a little bit of concern there. One place, though, where we don't have so much concern now is the lineouts. And I really like just a bit of smart calling in the lineouts. The first three lineouts were just straight up front ball to the second jumper. Falafel and get a couple of throws straight in, quick ball out. Doesn't matter that you're not maybe setting up the optimum position for the backs. That just set the scene for a line-out that the Wallabies weren't really threatened in throughout the game. And it just shows you with those four jumpers, really. We've got Nicerani, who's pretty capable at line-out time. You saw him do pretty well there. Yeah. Lucan, um, and then Rodder and Arnold, like two or two or three really big bodies there in the line-out. And I just think we were pretty dominant. I think we can continue that on. Yeah, and we want to see more opportunities in the right areas of the field where you can leverage those those strong line-outs into, into malls or... Um, clever set piece where you have a few guys wrapping off the back a couple of different angles and, and really test the defense. Uh, the scrums, are, you, again, we talk selections. Archie, we, we didn't certainly didn't pick this front row. To to put Slipper slipper and uh, Falafwing, obviously club mates there at the Brumbies, uh, some combination, and then throw Kepu in. Uh, this this front row was pretty dysfunctional, and it looked to be a lot of Kepu from, from the way the ref was seeing it. Mm. I think Kepu was a big factor here. I think, like we talked about, he's not in top form. He's coming towards the end of his international career, and I think he got shown up a little bit by the beast there. Was a bit forced to this selection because of injuries to Alan Alatoa, but you did have Taniela Tupo on the bench, uh, who did look to make a bit of an impact when he came on, despite ending up with a yellow card. Man, and good impact. Strong and, good legal yeah, impact. Strong. Yeah, not a card, not a card for sure. But in the scrums, with the limited opportunities he got, he looked like he was getting a bit of ascendancy over his opponent. It just didn't really play out in our favour too much. He didn't have enough time to push through in those scrums. But look, do you start him next week if Alatoa isn't fit? Um, it's kind of maybe Taniela's time to shine now. I think I would because it's next week. It's uh, Argentina, isn't it? Yep. So yep. at home. Um, I don't. I don't think Kepu's up to it. Like Ke- Kepu's starting to. Well, he has been. I've been thinking about him more as like the 
like the way they've got Adam Ashley Cooper floating around the squad. He's, he's there. You can use him if you really need to, but he's certainly not your first pick. He brings valuable experience, but he just doesn't have the energy and the and the um, like the intensity of the younger guys. And I think we've really got to empower them and get them in the starting side. And he's our backstop. He's there if you if everything goes wrong and you get some injuries and and you need a, a very capable international player. But I don't think he should be a starter. Yeah, well, he, he's fairly non-existent, sort of in the loose play around the field. And if he's not really standing up at set piece as well. Uh, then you yeah, do have to ask the question. I mean, we didn't get to see another prop go up against the Beast, who obviously is a massive human being and a good scrummager himself. But if he's not but doing I would the say, I would say the Beast is probably on the same path as Kepu a little bit. He's not quite the player he was. Um, I wouldn't say he's quite seen the decline with him that we have with Kepu. But well, I think it's important to have him in the squad. I agree. I think as a mentor, he'd be really important for guys like Taniella. But I think if we get to start Taniello, for example, it changes the way he plays. Like at the moment, he comes on with 20, 30 minutes to go and he's almost got too much energy. And sometimes he can, you know, make a few kind of silly decisions in, particularly in defense, um, which can get him some cards. So if you start him from minute one, I think he might even kind of taper that a little bit um, and I guess have a more consistent um, control and his aggression a little bit because at the moment he's just looks like he's full of beans and just almost gets overexcited when he comes on. I, I, don't, I, th- I think that's what he's like. I, I think he would be like that regardless. Like you're saying, he, he would know he's going to play 50 odd minutes at least. He might, yeah, um, yeah steady and, and play play with a bit less all at, all at once. But I just think that's that's what he goes for. Like he sets himself up for those big hits and delivers. Um, and you know, if if one in five or one in eight or something, you know, are, are a bit loose and end up being a bit late or maybe a bit high or something, it's kind of just a a, a risk you run with that player because he's so effective other times, but he just hasn't quite mm. um, got that precision that he that he you'd like him to have. It's high risk, high reward, and I think we used to see this with Tatafu, right? the way he used to tackle, the way he used to be around the field, and then he changed it later in his career. Um, I think we've got to make use of this while Taniella has that ability. Um, he's still young. He's still got a lot to learn around the around the field and set piece, but mm. his general play is excellent. And some of those balls he was throwing in the back line there in the second half were just amazing, like cutout balls, and he's got all the skills. So I think, yeah, I think it's time for him to start. Yeah, give him a bit more opportunity. Going back through the rest of the forward pack, and I think we all agree that the standout's got to be Izzy Nasirani in this game on debut at number eight. And that guy's just got a work rate that's just up there pretty much with the best in the game. He's constantly looking for work around the ruck, whether that's in defense, taking balls behind him, and always seems to be able to make meters when he's taking the ball up, no matter what the defense is like against him. Yeah, he's, he's a very big guy. He's still quite agile. He's got good hands. He said he's good in the lineouts. Uh, it was a bit disappointing. He did muck that one up off the back of the scrum. Uh, that was kind of it was moving around a bit, and I don't know. It just seemed like things were a bit. Uh, he was a bit tentative about it. Like just didn't look as um, as certain what, what was. Yeah, well, just what was trying to happen. Like whether whether there's a call there from the halfback to decide which side they're going, and it comes a bit late, and he's just got to react. Uh, it just didn't look like he he had a, a firm plan, and so he sort of shifted his feet around and 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 took his eye off their halfback, uh, who had a really great game and and put that um, that sort of quick play off the back of the ruck under uh, back of the scrum under a lot of pressure. I think, I think he was definitely our standout forward. It's a pre-programmed thing again, though. He knew that scrum move is I pick up the ball and then I offload to Nick White. Except he picks it up, fumbles it, falls over, and then still tries to force the pass. So that's yeah. where I think we need to be. We need to play what's in front of us. If you make a mistake, don't compound it. Don't do something stupid following that. Mm. Just yeah, hold no, the ball, fair. take it in. They would have been fine. And yeah. then we would have... I don't think he did actually knock it on, so we would have kept playing, I think. But yeah, just throwing it away like that. We, a few of our forwards did that. Um, I think that'll change the time. It's Yeah, it's panicky. And apart from that, Nicerani, pretty much a perfect game. And the reason I think he went off initially was why like, a slipper no, had that HIA wasn't it? No, and then no, they had to Taniella. bring on the other prop. Taniella no, slipper, went off. Slipper went off. went off for the yellow card and they had to bring another prop on. So they had to drop out a yeah. back rower. Yeah. 
But but it's yeah, you did have a very he good game. He could have kept going. Yeah. Okay, you talked about the halfback there and Nick White, the other man coming back into this team. And what do you think of his performance? Obviously, a lot more of a physical character than what we see in Guinea. He's defending up in the front line and did have one case when where his box kicks chewed off a huge amount of territory for the Wallabies and that's something we haven't really seen out of our halfbacks de- definitely in recent times. Yeah, he, he box kicked that one with confidence and got a great result. And, and I thought he's passing... Right at the start of the game, when when the when the Springboks were charging up at our line, he was putting the ball still out in front of our players. They were hitting it with momentum. We weren't getting driven back uh, because we were getting balls, you know, high and behind us and things. So uh, certainly passing right to left across the field, I thought he was very strong. He had a few weaker passes that sort of dropped a bit low, going back the other way, which I assume he's probably right-handed. So that's just the weaker side. But I like, I like the intent of putting the ball out in front of the player because the way our guys seem to get flat-footed and, and not really run onto the ball, it, it forces them to move forward. It, it draws them into the pass and, and forward against the line. So I thought that was pretty good. And, and I haven't seen much of Nick White recently, so I was actually pretty impressed. Yeah, and it looked like he actually was controlling the pace of the game really well and almost playing, I guess, with more energy than most of the players around him, which was impressive. Um, and that's that was always the worry in some ways. Playing up in the Northern Hemisphere, was it a different type of game? A little bit lower in the tempo stakes, but he really burst onto the scene really well in this one. I was impressed. Mm. And he it's looked- a real contrast to, say, how Nick Phipps controls the game. Like, this was just so quick. Quick ruck ball, mm. as quick as he could make it. So, yeah, it was impressive. Mm. He looked like he fit into that. Um, position didn't he? he didn't look out of out of his depth or anything like that didn't no. look like he was really panicking too much in this at all so I think impressive mm. impressive in that regard in a selection that a lot of us sort of questioned having not seen too much of him I think you'd be hard-pressed to drop him from here as well I don't think that look Genny is always going to be there he's a high quality player but I think that Nick White probably deserves to retain his spot at least for the next game yeah I, I think He's shown him, himself capable. I don't know if he starts over Genny. I think he. I think he is one of the two in the starting lineup, though, because I don't. I don't think Phipps is as dynamic as Nick White looked. Uh, no, but this Powell, year, at least Powell's based Phipps on not one. even on the tour, man. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I know, I know. I'm just talking through. Like we're going home, and I suspect. I suspect this squad to South Africa was a bit of a um, kind of a test the waters, throw a few guys in, make or break. Um, yeah, Powell's the third guy. I was going to say him as well. He, he's been more dynamic than Phipps as well this year. So I don't think if, if Nick White was getting out of the squad, it's probably Phipps coming in, right? Phipps is your third around Powell and Genia based on previous years. I don't yeah, think Phipps, Phipps and Gordon. deserves to take Jake, uh, sorry, Jake White, Nick White's spot. Hmm. I don't think I'm, I'm, I have a feeling that Checker, if he had his way, would have Phipps in there as the third halfback or second halfback. But I think because we've got those two other selectors now, you're seeing guys like Powell get their opportunity, guys like Tom Banks actually get a starting opportunity. I don't think that's maybe primarily Checker's you don't decision. Think it's Checker. No. I think there's oh, a few guys in there that are getting opportunities that perhaps under Checker, solely under Checker, that they wouldn't get. Um, and it's whether you change now, do you go back to Kirtley Bill starting yeah. instead of Banks? Or do you give him another opportunity? Because we don't want to be moving these guys around, these fullbacks around, changing positions. Um, not building momentum, but KB looked like awfully impressive when he came on. But that's partially the time of the game, uh, yeah. and that's why I really like having it. him on the bench. Mm. He comes in and it's 50-something minute or, or even a bit later. Guys are starting to get a bit tired. You've got some forwards being there for 60, and he runs these lines off Bernard Foley's shoulder and makes him look good and and makes these great breaks. And, and I actually think Banks had a really good first half, um, kicking was really solid. The defense, the line defense, he he, they they the Springboks end up scoring. I think a few phases later, but initially he he caught the man on the line and and saved a try. Mm. That was a really impressive tackle. Like he didn't do a lot wrong. He didn't no, do no. a lot wrong. And this the is what yeah, like you say, that tackle. Mm. They still score. It's so close, and they can't quite stop him. And he's he's determined, and he's come in from the Brumbies with a lot of form. I'd I'd like to see him there again as well. Like KB played this role at last World Cup, coming off the bench later in games and really just blowing the game open. Um, I, yeah, I think Banks deserves another opportunity. 
probably not his strongest game, but in a, in a gold jersey, probably his best game so far. And you've got to give these guys confidence by backing them. Mm. Um, so I think a second game, particularly against Argentina at home, would be ideal for him. I think the one thing that you could say maybe he could do more is inject himself in a bit closer around the ruck, taking on like that first or second mm. receiver sort of position. He seemed to sort like of gravitate a bit wider. Yeah, exactly. Um, but whether that just comes with a bit more confidence and playing with these guys that he's not used to being around may yeah. be the way. But other than that, I I completely agree. Didn't do a huge amount wrong. Yeah, you can see that coming off. If they're playing off Nick White, some of those balls out in front, Banks could just burst through, like you say, yeah. versus like a five eighth or a loose, a bigger loose forward. He could just burst through the middle there. Um, he probably just needs a bit more confidence to do that now, at the moment. Well, exactly what Beal did off Foley, like those same lines and with Banks' yeah. pace. Um, yeah. Hodge does it a bit. Hodge comes in off his wing. I think I think Hale Petty rarely does, but he's also not the right guy to be doing that. So, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like if, mm. if you keep the Hodge, DHP, Banks back three, which I don't know that they necessarily do week to week, um, there's, there's probably room for someone like, uh, for Banks to play fullback to inject a bit more, DHP becomes the cover if he does that and, and they can sort of communicate that, that Banks is going to come in and DHP is just backing it up if he needs to. Things It'd be go nice right. if you could bring Marika back, wouldn't it, to inject a bit more pace into would... that back three and out-and-out winger. Well, would you keep that same back three? Who? I mean, I think I, everyone would agree. I'd... DHP obviously had the most obvious blunders in this game, bombing the try. He did a lot of good stuff too. Yeah, took was he good took, under the took high a ball. ball above the head. Yeah. yeah. Reasonable in defence, did though you could be saying that both wingers sort of let people get on the outside of them and that's where South Africa made a few breaks down sort of the wide channels. I'd be tempted to say, well, if DHP's not your starting fullback, he shouldn't be in the team. I don't particularly like him on the wing. I think this was probably his worst game in a Wallabies jersey. He made a few uncharacteristic mistakes, but it would be nice to have an out-and-out winger, have someone like Hodge on the other side that can... Be a bit of a playmaker can shift back to fullback to help Banks, but do you really need three guys that are three fullbacks? You know, more more fullbacks than anything else, mm. um, making up that back three, and you suffer a bit of pace on the outside on both both wings. I don't know. It's a tough one. Might be based on opposition. They might they might decide that the you think the pace of the Argentinian back three. You definitely don't want people who are going to get gassed well, by it. by those guys. It's going to be a bit of a pick pick to suit. Yeah, I mean, we haven't got onto that game, but the the matchup, which was the matchup we saw in the Super Rugby final between Moijano and Severis on one side, was absolutely electric because they're both so quick and trying to just get around each other. I would worry with him, sort of, with Severis or Moijano coming up against DHP, that those guys would be able to scoot around these guys pretty quickly. So I would definitely be worried. I'd like to see Marika get an opportunity on that left wing. And maybe shift Hodge to the right wing. Because Hodge was on left wing in this game, I think, right? Number 11? Yep. Yeah. So, so switch them around. Maybe give Banks another opportunity. Um, I think you run with the centres we have. Samu had a big, big game. TK a bit quiet, but I think that's a combination that should take us right through this year. Mm. Um, and look, I think Foley did enough again to keep his place. A little bit sloppy in part, but... Nick White and Foley looks pretty promising at the moment. And then, yeah, I think stick with Bill coming on at the latter stages of the game at the moment unless st- things start to go wrong with Tom Banks. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty reasonable. And we'll see a few injuries coming out of this game. Jordan Ualisi left with it for, after an HIA and did come back, so didn't get to see much of him besides one sort of hit where he hit himself in the head pretty much. Um, it's. I think it comes down to... We, you mentioned this, Leo. You're like, he hasn't played, right? So I think he is a physical specimen. But if you haven't played much rugby, you make errors like that where you get your head in the wrong spot. So technically, you're struggling just because you haven't had the game time. And at yeah. that level, stepping up to that level, you can just things go wrong pretty quickly if you don't have those you know, things in place pretty solidly. So sad for him. Yeah, look, I, I don't want to blame him. For that, I actually think uh, it was a really awkward spot. The the player running mate was a Steph Toy, I, I can't remember, but he actually made a couple, or Monoi Nesterhausen, he, he did a couple of movements where he actually sort of shifted left, right, left, and that would have been very difficult to pick 
the right side because it kept changing. The guy's run of luck is just awful. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't deserve that. I I don't think he's a bad player. I I feel for the other hookers who've played Super Rugby and have had a, a really solid season and don't get a look in because of this guy's, you know, in based on potential. And that was an opportunity for one of them, which unfortunately Ulysses come in, got bumped out straight away. So we learn nothing from that. Um, uh, Ulysses needs to get more more match time under his belt before he gets just parachuted in. And I just think he, he needs to earn that spot and maybe maybe not just going from nothing to test match rugby would um mm. would would give him a bit a bit more of a run in and I don't know if you can say it makes him less likely to get injured like like I said I, I don't think he's he could just be one of those guys that regardless he's going to get injured <clears throat> once a year and he's going to have those awkward injuries that mm. guys like Jack Dempsey even have where you just like everything's going well and then bang oh he's done his hammy oh he's done something else like things just go wrong for guys sometimes yeah. biomechanically like they're just going to get the more predisposed to injury so. I think Ulysses unlucky, and and that the head knock is unlucky. He'll probably be back, but it's just another it's just another game. Here comes Tolu. It's just another game of a period where he's not going to be able to, you know, get a few more minutes and 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 embed himself in the squad. Mm. He was out cold. Yeah. Yeah, and and sneakily trying to tell Paul Williams, oh no, it's just my shoulder, just my shoulder, because he's <laughs> desperately trying to stay on the field, but there was no way he was getting let back to stay on then. Um, let's look at the South Africans and who stood out for you guys in what was classed a bit of a B team for the Springboks, having sent over 15 players already over to New Zealand. Obviously, the standout, as Leo's already mentioned, Herschel Yanksy's on debut at halfback there, the 23-year-old, two tries, backing up well for his winger and cosy, and then scooting down the blind side, taking advantage when uh, DHP and Tamoa had got themselves involved in the ruck uh, to get his second and almost got his... Almost had three tries. Uh, he, he was the guy that Banks took out just before that line for their second try. Yeah, he had a great game. Um, dynamic, uh, quick ball from the rock. Played his played his own game, so didn't didn't just keep servicing all the other backs in the line. Took his opportunity to snipe. You know, took a risk, paid off. That's good vision. Um, was really good behind the line out. Good behind the scrum, pressuring our scrum. Like, all up, I mean, that's a fantastic debut. Get two tries. Uh, I think we'll definitely be seeing more of him. So, uh, particularly particularly him. Um, the other player who I thought uh, was was pretty solid was Peter Steftatoy. Um, pretty widely regarded as one of the best blindsides in the game at the moment. And just a workhorse. Made good runs. Um, you know, bumped people off. Made, made some breaks and, and created opportunities. And very dangerous player all over the park. That's that's the sort of number six you'd love to have. Mm. And he's quick for his size. He he does everything you need. He's solid at set piece and can even slot into the second row if you need him to. Um, so very versatile as well. Um, I thought Elton Yankees was actually pretty good as well. He's, I always think he's a bit of a weak point um, generally for the Springboks, but he performed pretty well in this one. Um, I don't obviously I don't think he's going to hold his place there, but. It just shows you that they do have a, have a bit of depth there at 5'8". Um, but, look, Salvary just kind of surprised me here. I thought in the first half, look, we've got their measure. I just thought that they weren't going to have the quality to get through, but even their bench didn't look that impressive, but they just came together well as a unit. Mm. And kind of, it's a bit worrying the fact that we had a lot of time together. Um, this was probably close to our best team. And yet, you know, I know it's a hostile environment there at Ellis Park, but... They really showed us up there in the second half. Yeah. And for me, I thought that uh, their back row, including Francois Lowe in particular at eight, probably a name that um, people don't really know from recent times. Um, it's been a few years since he's pulled on a Springbok jersey. He's come back from Europe, but was just a menace at, at ruck time and really disturbing our ruck and slowing it down. And it was something that I really noticed the Wallabies were lacking in terms of someone sort of in there mm. disrupting rucks, looking for turnovers. I don't think we had one sort of pilfer in this game. Um, the Springboks just had complete freedom at ruck time. Yeah, and also on attack with the Wallabies, like under committing to our own rucks, which was making it worse almost because they were targeting that, but we just weren't getting enough guys in there to secure the ball. Um, but you're right, Arch, I think... 
when's Pocock going to come back? That's the big question. It's it's difficult because I think I like the balance of this back row for the Wallabies, but we did miss someone that was over the ball, and whether you have someone like Tolu that can, you know, play that function a little bit for you over, the, like well, even the Taniella can do it a bit more. Taniella. Like- yeah, but it's maybe no one there in the starting lineup that's mm. doing it consistently. I know Dempsey can do it as well, but he's on the bench. So, yeah, it is Sio an issue. Like, Michael Lippert just doesn't do it. Sio and Alatoa actually make the odd pill fun. And Fyanger, actually, I've seen him do it as well. But It's, it's not a yeah, constant not thing, but doing definitely, it definitely target it. I think, that's, look, that's a real loss, and this is why I've always had a bit of a problem with Hooper as he's transitioned to be less of that pilfering... Um, sort of uh, ruck, ruck disrupting player, he's everywhere, but he's not there. And that's kind of a gap in our game. We just don't have anyone pressuring their rucks in that way yeah. to try and steal the ball consistently. There's no threat. They don't need to uh, overcommit to, to protect the ball, which means they have more players in the line to to more options to throw the ball to. But I think as, if we can get bigger guys like Luke Cunning, they're actually disrupting it more. Maybe they're not pilfering as much, but just disrupting generally mm. in defense. Getting I think that's valuable. Mm. Yeah, which, I don't know. Look, I don't want to pick on Lucan. I think he's a little bit lazy at times around the field, but he has so much potential. You can see why he keeps getting picked. If you go back to Dempsey, you lose a bit of size, but you probably get a bit more menace and someone who's going to have a bit of a higher work rate. So, I don't know. don't know where you go with it. The line out, I think, was benefited so much by having Lucan there as an additional threat. Um, but look, Is I don't think... It? Is this where you give Luke yeah. Jones a go then? Because he's got the line out, but know. he probably a higher work rate. I think he lose too much. Yeah, but I just don't think he brings the ball carrying ability. But someone like like you saw Lukan make that break like off Garebi. It's pretty a guy that size. It's like having yeah. a little skeleton in the team. Almost. He outran Nikosi, so. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of potential. I can see why they persist with him. Um, but there's just things, little things in his game where he's running back, he'll fall over in defense, he's slow off the ground, and then you just see him kind of wandering around the back of the ruck to kind of line up again. Whereas with the All Blacks, they don't do that. Like, they're straight back in the line. So it's little things like that if you actually watch him. And maybe it's just he's not fit enough. I don't know. But he doesn't have the urgency to get back in line and really, really man up in defense. And someone like Luke Jones probably does. He's probably straight off his, straight back up to his feet, back into the line. Uh, it's a different mindset, I think, Um and Czech said it as well. You said Lucan needs to carry the ball more. So, mm. anyway, I think South Africa, look, I guess you could dissect this quite a lot because they it was a good performance by them and there was a lot of good players in that lineup. But they're probably going to see a lot of changes come their game against the All Blacks. So, 20% of this team will remain intact. Mm. Well, let's go to the All Blacks Argentinian game. And that was after this one early morning in Buenos Aires. And it was a game that. I mean, New Zealand got the upper hand early, scoring early try through La Marpia for quick tap, um, and Sanchez coming back for the Pumas was really just trying to keep in touch with penalties in the first half. Um, Brody Retallick snatched a late intercept try to get them up to 20 points to 9 at half time, but then this second half just turned into a bit of a slugfest, and it really was all pressure on the All Blacks the whole time. Buffelli got the early uh, try, taking a high ball off Sanchez just over the line and pretty much ripping it out of uh, Ben Smith's hands, I think. Um, and then Puma's just pressuring the All Blacks all game, but they just managed to hold out. And there were a few calls that Angus Gardner has made that I think particularly at the very end where he called a maul that went down and Brody Retallick had just sort of wandered around the other side and sort of fallen a lane onto it. I think you could definitely question it, but somehow the All Blacks hold on. The Pumas don't get their... Um, miracle their fairy tale win at home to take down the All Blacks, but they do take a bonus point out of it, twenty points to sixteen. Yeah, that that Pumas team has come together, and and it is definitely built on the foundation of the Haguaras combinations and the time those guys spend together. Like that's going to be so valuable for them. Um, a lot of the wash up of this game, people started thinking about World Cup pools, and there's a lot of talk about Argentina being um, favourite or, or at least challenging England for that favouritism in that pool that where they share with uh, France, I think. So, and justly so, like the, the All Blacks took a bit of a, a bit of a different kind of team across, but I mean, really that 
no matter who you've got in that All Black side, there's probably two All Black 15s that are world class, um, and and for them to pretty much match them punch for punch, keep them scoreless in the second half, again, um, team team like the All Blacks always scored just before halftime and after halftime, and and in critical moments, and and they kept some of that quiet. So a really really enterprising effort from the Haguaras. I'm a bit scared this week uh, coming when they come to Australia. Yeah, if you take that one intercept try from Retallick out of their game, they lose that game. So it is those little things they capitalise on. That was in like the 38th or 40th minute just before half time. They snatch that and then they're in the lead. And But look, the, the Pumas have been building into this for two or three years now with performances from the Haguaras in Super Rugby and then bringing in those selection of international guys that are playing in France or, or wherever. Um, and I think it's great for the Rugby Championship having at least four teams that are challenging each other every week. It used to be that Argentina were a bit, you know, the easy beats. Um, that's no longer the case. And I think that merits kind of thoughts on expansion. If, if Argentina have done really well out of this and consistently playing well, then maybe look at expanding it further, bringing teams like Fiji, Samoa Tonga, you know, really building a, a Southern Hemisphere competition that kind of rivals the Six Nations. And again, like you say, with the World Cup, so, so big um, in terms of that pool of death. France are unpredictable. England look they look pretty solid, but with Argentina playing like this, you know they've got high quality opponents coming into a World Cup that'll really benefit them. So it's a good sign. I've been really impressed with them. I think, and as well because they've had so many of these guys in the Haguaros squad, we know a lot of them uh, quite well now. Where in previous years we wouldn't have, but they still feel like a team that's when they're playing. Uh, when they're playing as the Pumas or the Haguaros, they're greater than the sum of their parts. Like they've they've all got they've got some quite good players, and we we probably think they're quite notable. But to a lot of people, they're probably not. Um, they do they do play a really really well. They do play really well as a fifteen, and I think that's what the Springboks did as well. I think the Wallabies, by comparison, are less than the sum of their parts. We have all these great individuals with skills, and they just don't don't seem to add up to as good a team as they should be. The Argentinians have really found that, that mix and those combinations through all the time they've spent together in the last couple of years. I think that's a fair point. I think it takes the Wallabies a number of games to really get gelled together and in playing in the same direction because early on in the season, you tend to have five or six guys playing really well and the rest of the guys just unperforming. And then the next week, it kind of shifts to another five guys playing well and the guys that played well the previous week kind of fall off a little bit. So you never really get enough momentum building. Um, but, yeah, you see towards the end of the year or five, six games in, which will be the World Cup this time, but um, I don't think we can rely on that actually happening. We need to make it happen you know, early in the season. I think being together for three or four weeks already, I expected probably a little bit more. Um, but a lot of those little handling areas in our game, for example, weren't there in this, this game, I think. We made some silly errors in other other ways, but overall it was a bit more polished maybe than, than previous years for the Wallabies. So, yeah, overall I think all the teams this week did pretty well. Mm. And it's an interesting rugby championship because there is that tinkering going on. It's it's kind of like where we had them super rugby guys getting rested. In this case, it's guys getting rotated in to see how they go because um, we're so close to the World Cup. Um, but I think once once we get to the Bledisloe, they're the two games I think we really need to focus on. So the Wallabies perspective that's where we need to be focused going back to Argentina a bit like obviously they did play well but would you say the All Blacks are looking a little bit more fragile than they have in previous years I mean they just didn't quite gel quite as much together a few more handling errors and we've seen even in the Kiwi super teams the Crusaders at times the Hurricanes though they've been dominant they just don't seem to have that play for a full 80 minutes at this stage they do have periods where they become a little bit fragile, a little bit um, at risk of letting the opposition creep back into the game. Mm. I think the pack is drawing closer to them, honestly. I think it's happening this year, like you said, in Super Rugby, and it's happening internationally. And I think, look, they're they're well and truly the favourites for the World Cup, but there's teams challenging them more often than not now, and they're not getting those easy wins like they used to. Um, And I think particularly next year, you're going to see a big change once some of these senior players leave the team. Um, there's going to be a bit of a changing of the guard. But you can see already um, teams like South Africa are building, teams like England, Wales, they've built up. Um, and the pack, all these teams, there's probably eight teams that are quite close to each other now, and it's it's good for the game. 
Yeah, I agree. I think the All Blacks still pretty much build their success on strong defence. Um, and, and then obviously they capitalise on, on mistakes from the opposition. So if as an opposition you can reduce your errors, which is probably you know, reducing the, the hot-headedness and the errors and the, and the discipline issues has been the story of the Pumas over the last few years as well. It was such an emotional team playing on like hot heads and, and the moment and, and the and the um, atmosphere of their home crowns. And now they now they look much more disciplined. So they've cut those errors out of their game. All Blacks don't get as many opportunities to leverage. And then you get a few weak performances from the All Blacks, a few people giving a few turnovers. It becomes very competitive. So um, there's definitely ways and means to, to contest with the All Blacks. And I'm sure the, the other teams will be taking notice of all the good things that the Argentinians did in the second half. Mm. And that's going to come to a fore next week. Uh, obviously, the Springboks heading over to New Zealand to take them down. And, I mean, the move from Erasmus to send a few guys over early uh, looks like a bit of a masterstroke at the moment because he's managed to still get the win with the bonus point over Australia. But these guys are still going to be fresh in New Zealand, ready to take down the All Blacks. Whereas the Wallabies team are travelling back and versus Argentina up at Suncorp. And we've already discussed a little bit, but what changes do you want to see to this Wallabies starting 15 uh, come next Saturday? We mentioned the front row. Uh, I don't I don't think Sakopi Kepu should keep his starting spot. Uh, and in the absence of uh, Alatar, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see Taniella start. Uh, and then I'd probably just, I'd probably keep it the same. I don't, I don't mind seeing Slipper there as a, as a starter. I think we, we have a good read on uh, Scott Co from previous seasons. I don't think he's off the pace at all, but I think it's again. Let's let's give the guys who didn't disappoint uh, and gave a real good effort in South Africa. Let's give them a second chance. So that's Slipper. That's Banks. Uh, certainly, that's probably Hodge on a wing. Keep keep him in there. Lucan probably just scrapes in, but I, I could definitely see Luke Jones coming in. Like just the work rate and that that urgency around the rucks, like you said, Toby, that's something that always annoys me. I see Lucan just gradually getting up on his feet. You're like, how hard is it to bounce up and be ready and take your take your breath when you're on your feet? Uh, I think Luke Jones is that workhorse, and I don't think you lose anything in lineouts with him. Yeah, from my perspective, I agree. I think Kepu needs to be rotated out, um, whether that's to the bench or somewhere else. But Taniela, yeah, Alalato, I think I prefer those two. Um, look, I think CO would be perfect for him to come back to the bench, ease him back in, leave Slipper where he is. HJ, HJH probably gets a rest this week, but he performed well, and uh, congratulations to him for his game. But, yeah, apart from that, I'm I'm pretty happy with the, the lineup. Um, I'd, I could really, I'd really like to get Corey Beattie in there somewhere, but it's difficult. Do you drop DHP after one bad game? <clears throat> I'm not sure you do, but we'll see what Checker does. Luke Jones, Leo... Probably if I was going to bring him in, I'd shift Jack Dempsey off the bench and give Luke Jones his opportunity from there. I think Luke Hunt just you need to persist with him. You need him to be playing consistently, get that game time under his belt. Um, but how know, many games do you persist with year. him then? Like if he has well, another think, poor game, do you just go, oh, well, he needs three games to get good? Look, or? I don't think he, I don't, I don't think he had a poor game by any means. I think he did some things that you know there's things he could improve on, but I think his game overall was decent. Um, and he played full 80 minutes, didn't he? He was there the whole time. Um, so he, he's able to kind of pull through with 80-minute performances, but he just needs to correct little things in his game and get more involved through the middle of the park carrying the ball. And I think that'll That's help. That's probably nice why he managed well. to play for 80 minutes because he wasn't carrying the ball. That's exactly. Been lazy. Possibly, possibly. But I think get you lose too much in Luke Jones. Mm. You bring so, in Luke Jones, there's more emphasis on Nisarani carrying the ball more emphasis on Hooper, and Hooper yeah. does enough. You don't, you don't want to have a lack of ball carriers there. Guys like Rodder need to step up, but it's not going to, you know, it's not going to improve your running game. But bringing, you know, Rob Simmons off the bench instead of Rodder, for example. So happy with the team pretty much as is, but maybe a few, few little changes. Yeah, uh, look, if you brought Luke Jones on the bench, I think I'd settle for that. The the other interesting wrinkle in this, because this year it's a reduced rugby championship, and we've only got the one game against each opponent for the rugby championship specifically. Uh, if you're not playing a guy this week, uh, you're not 
are you going to pick him in your third match against the All Blacks? We'll give him his first start of the of the Test season. So mm. if it if it hasn't worked, and you're thinking, well, really, who will probably play? Like say Genia, you're going to play Genia as your starting halfback against the All Blacks. You know what you're going to get with Genia. He's he's still in good form. Um, you don't really need to give him more than probably a couple of 20, 30 minute stints off the bench. So you can play Nick White happily this week. Yeah, probably give him another go and make sure well, 40, 40 uh, you know what somewhere. you've got. Yeah, I don't think that's an issue. But with Luke Hahn versus Luke Jones versus Dempsey, like if you stick with Luke Hahn this week and it doesn't really work out, if he doesn't lift again, can you stick with him for the All Blacks or will you regret not giving your alternative option the start and a good 50 minutes to, to bed them in before the you know, the number one game that we, we look at every year is yeah. the home game against the All Blacks. So I, I, th- I think that's why you'll see probably Jones not come in. You'll probably see Dempsey maybe get a bit more time if Lucan isn't performing. They'll do a direct swap there. Um, I think Nicerani will play bigger minutes. One other change I, I want to mention, I think Tamua needs to go. I'll take him off the bench. Give Christian his opportunity there, either off the bench or starting. I, you know, we were hearing some rumblings starting. that he may start starting. this Argentinian game. So maybe give him an opportunity. He's not going to get another one probably in this rugby championship. So do you roll the dice and start him or do you bring him off the bench, say, for Foley? And Lele Fano, the good thing is he can cover 12 as well. So 10 and 12 is covered like Tamua. And you might get some more combinations with TK and Banks. Mm. So yeah, which I'd, I'd be like to quite see. Quite interesting to put him at fly half with Banks still at fullback. That that could be um, another way of unlocking a bit more of Banks's confidence. Yeah, so it's like Foley in this game, little fun on the next one. Then whoever's played best, bring them in for the Bledisloe. Is that yeah. fair? Maybe. That's what I mean. Um, You've got to make your change early to get your sight to the alternative. And if they stick with some of these guys, like they stick with DHP, are they just going to? ditch him and then put Marika in if he has a second game with a few obvious faults, even though he probably on balance was average, not bad. DHP is just one of those guys I think they just have confidence in. They will just leave him there, you know, until he strings bad games together. I don't think he will, and that's why I think he will be retained. And then Korobiti's kind of stuck. You're not going to probably put him on the bench. Peel's going to be there and a playmaker. So Korobiti's either starting or not, not in the 23. Yeah, I still I'm worried about the lack of pace out on the wings. That's one thing. Yeah, I actually think going back to what you said, uh, Leo, I think if Nick White has another strong performance, I think he might actually become a bit of the preferred person at the moment. I think they probably really like what he does in, offer in defense and actually physicality as well as that mm-hmm. kicking. And he doesn't seem like they lose too much with his passing. Well, I'll tell you what, if he's willing to clean out when the ball is being taken from us right in front of him, then he's got one thing over Genia. Because Genia, again in this game, when he came on, was standing at the back of the rut watching the South Africans get their hands on the ball and and try and take it. And and it's like, mate, you've got to actually do something. You can't just. You're a rugby player as well. Yeah, it's you're one to fifteen. Forget your number on your back. At this point in time, it's more important that you clean that guy's arms out. And and let someone else get it. I, I just can't believe he still does that. He, he just looks like he's stuck in the mud, just like, oh no, someone else will come and do this. Like, mate, well, you can see, and... you can see in his mindset, he's like, I need to be free to pass the ball, but yeah, there are fine, times where you, be, you have to sacrifice that. Yeah, Gregan Gregan was guilty of this late in his career as well, where he just stand there and kind of preserve himself and wait for someone else to do the work. But it was really great to see Nick White. Just I know how keen he. Was to play in this game and I think that he just took the opportunity with both both hands and it's probably going to earn him another starting spot so I'm, I'm proud of him for that How does Joe Powell feel do you reckon? Actually yeah. had a pretty good season with the Bumbies He loves, probably, he loves to get, get an opportunity doesn't he? Loves if Lefano comes in he could get an opportunity let's not discount him he could be on the bench yeah. this week if Lefano is there because of that combination so again it's whether do you want to give all these guys an opportunity or do you want to still build a consistent run into the Bledisloe, which is an important game. Mm. It's whether they're still looking to build depth and they're going to discount sort of these, these Bledisloe games in any case. Um, it still yeah, hasn't been so... quite obvious on which way they're going to push it, but we'll probably see a bit more from their selections this week. 
Other in other news in Australian rugby, and the Wallaroos finished up their two series uh, games versus the Japanese teams, and uh, they won last week versus Newcastle, and this weekend took them on at North Sydney Oval on Friday night, and took away another convincing win, forty six three. Grace Hamilton, the captain, really leading from the front. Uh, breaking through in midfield and scampering away for 40 metres to score the first try in this game. And from then, they really just didn't let up. And that's their first two wins on home Australian soil as they're normally only been getting to play the uh, Silver Ferns, the Kiwis, and haven't had much success against them in the last few years. But this is a really great way to build up some momentum before they face up their fiercest rivals in the Kiwis. The only thing I, I know just, about this is that Liz Partu got carded again. You know, I think that was actually in the first game, not the second game. But she's just a a loose unit, like putting hits on people and getting carded regularly, like every second or third game. I think it's just really nice that they're getting a lot more exposure and getting more games put together um, to really showcase what they can do. Um, whereas before, perhaps a lot of the focus was on the women's sevens team you're seeing that shift a little bit to the Wallaroos, getting more mo- momentum behind the 15s game for women. Um, and, like, that's important because I think that's a real opportunity to to get more exposure for rugby generally. And you kind of lost otherwise with the, the sevens a little bit, you know, with the um, Olympic cycle, that helps. Um, but I think, look, Wallaroos is, needs to be strong as well. And you can see once we have a bit of success against New Zealand, um, and there's more focus on that team. There's more social media around that team now. Um, it just looks like that they're they're more of a product that, that can be sold now. And I, I really, you know, have enjoyed seeing that come to fruition a little bit for the women there. Yeah, hundred percent. And hopefully, yeah, this this will lead to some success for them and move to grow the game even more. Does anyone have anything else we should talk about in this? Oh, only James O'Connor signing with the Reds. Jock. Oh yeah. Oh, that that was just cringeworthy. I didn't watch that video. What happened? I know it's just like yeah, like you know, I've just really like I found myself and like oh really? And they've just Mm. come up. They've just come up with like all the things for him to say, and I don't know if people are actually believing it or not, but I guess it's a way of justifying the signing and saying, look, he's turned the page on his off the field stuff and. Sale being really impressed with him and he's, he wants to give back to Queensland after all these years. And, you know, apparently in his contract, though, there's been all these behavioural clauses added, which I didn't know they could do. But anyway, they've mm. done that. But apparently, so he makes one apparently with O'Connor signing, he asked for those things to be put into his contract, or at least that's how it's been written. So mm. he's actually... Really think could, that, be another, could be another tactic, you know? But he's we actually, really think that a player asks for restrictions? Unless unless he says, I want you to pay me this much and then put this stuff in, like, I don't see that. That's, or he's like, like players I'm aren't so restricting confident. their own... I'm so no. confident in... in I'm not going to let well, you down. You can he's put actually it in gone... He's signed a contract for a lot less than what someone having played multiple tests for Australia and being a bit of a marquee signing would normally get and apparently with these incentives well restrictions if he does remain clean remain out of trouble he actually gets more money through that so whether that's been a way yeah. for him to get a deal that's gonna pay him more throughout this sort of contract but there's no way a player walks into a room and says here's here's an idea for you i want you to pay me not that much and give me all these Clauses like they're walking in, they want to get as much as they want, the least number of restrictions, so that they're not, yeah. they haven't got all that risk to their what to if, their salary. So, what if he says, "I want five hundred k a year," and they say, "Mate, no way, we'll give you three hundred He goes, "Well, look, I think you should give me five hundred. You can put in any sort of behavioural clauses you want in there, but I want five hundred but he doesn't say that unless they go. Mate, Only we if think, they push we, we back think you're and say we're not going to pay you much. They say, yeah, yeah, they say, but they've got to say our concern is if we give you that much money and then you go and hit the yeah. hit the glitter strip too often and get weeks of suspension. Hit the glitter strip. If he's yeah, but I think that's Coast, why he would have like, come well, back and been like, well, I don't care. You can restrict me all you want. I'm happy but to But I'm do saying it. he doesn't come pay forward and say, put those on me. He, Not initially. These are, our, these are our issues. These are our fears with signing you to big dollars. We need to protect ourselves. He might turn around and go, We'll, we'll yeah. link them to clauses. That's yeah. that's fine. it's a negotiation but, tactic. 
yeah. based on the financial outcomes of the contract. And I think whether he whether he brought up those clauses initially or they said these are our concerns and he said we'll build them into a clause or whatever they said. I don't know. I mean, it's it sounds odd, but if he's that desperate to get the contract, maybe he's willing to agree to things that not normally he wouldn't. I, I don't know. It's, well, he obviously convinced Brad Thorne enough, who's obviously sceptical yeah. of anyone in those positions. So, Your mates with Quaid? Sorry, mate. <laughs> surprising, yeah. surprising he got an interview. But yeah, I, I would think... think that a player like that would want to prove himself he's signing on for <laughs> uh, two years, isn't he? If anything, you'd be signing a, um, a back-ended contract. So if you do perform well, you get to hit those mm. bigger gears later on. That would and be more be, the common tactic. He'd be figuring as well he's going to get ten grand a match from the Wallabies when he plays anyway. So he's probably happy with that a little bit because he'd back himself to make the Wallabies. Um, it's like, interesting as well. He said, I see myself as a 12. Just as Karevi's left the Reds at 12, he's like, well, I can slot straight back in there. That's fine. And it's still a position for the Wallabies if Karevi goes down. You know, he's definitely in the running around with, say, Tamur or whoever, Bill Tamur himself. So it's a smart move by him, but I'm not yet sold on the fact that he's going to perform at that high level. Like, it's been a long time since he's played for the Wallabies. So we'll have to see. I mean, he might get an opportunity off the bench this week as well. That was another thing they were talking about. Mm. Big sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he could come in potentially and take that Tamua spot off the bench. Surely they might be looking at that. Well, he played 10 against the Lions. So Robbie Dean's backed him there and he's got a lot of versatility. You've got to give him that. That's true. Anyway, we might leave it there for this week. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode. And we'll be back to recap this second round, hopefully a little bit more positive about Australians' fortunes uh, after a home game versus Argentina on Saturday night. That's following that New Zealand-South Africa matchup that kicks off at 5.30 on Saturday afternoon as well. So a big Saturday afternoon. Uh, much more agreeable viewing hours for all of us back here in Australia and New Zealand. Um, remember to follow us on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast and on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. You'll get all the news and extra info as the lineups get released and a few viewer polls to check out there. Uh, you can find this podcast at all the major platforms, as I'm sure you've already done. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Keep on running. Run.